they're still speaking English like on screen, right? So they're the the dub they yeah dub the, the, the sound is Comanche, but you can do an English subtitle, so you're reading the uh the captions. But their mouths are still speaking English. They're speaking no, they speak they dubbed it all in Comanche, the original language. Did they record so the actors like are speaking it themselves? It. Yeah. Yeah, they are, but f- film wise, they're still if I said to you right now, Trent, I am speaking English, but then I dubbed it in Comanche, is the film still going to show me saying, I am speaking English? The subtitles would say, I am speaking English. But the person, them, the actor themselves is speaking the language. So you hear, it's like when you watch a French movie and the actor is speaking French, but on the bottom of the screen there's little words and they're in English, subtitles. It's like that. So they they filmed the movie with them speaking Comanche. Their mouths. No, they they filmed it. No, they filmed it in English, and then and then they went back and dubbed it. And there's a process where they can make the lips kind of match up with that. Oh, okay. Is it? It's Tinja or Tinya? Tinya. Tinya. Tinja. Tinya. Which 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 are you guys saying? Tinya. I don't know. I can't hear you, Kevin. You I lost you. Oh, Tinya. Yeah, Tinya. Tinya. Yeah. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin and Kat. Hello. Hi. This week, Hulu. Kevin has picked a couple brand new movies from Hulu for us to check out. We're going to start with Prey. Kind of out of nowhere. I didn't really keep up on this movie, but this is a brand new Predator franchise installment for 2022 from director Dan Trachtenberg. And it has been met with a lot of fanfare. A lot of people saying that this is the Predator sequel that they were waiting for. The sequel the franchise didn't know it needed. Although if you've seen any of the other sequels or the AVP franchise, they needed anything except for those. So I was intrigued because I had started to hear about this. And then when I found out that Trachtenberg was directing it, I was like, wow, this is the 10 Cloverfield Lane guy. And looked into him like, whatever happened to him? Because I loved 10 Cloverfield Lane. I mean, just a monster Goodman performance. Uh, really cool entry into the Cloverfield universe. And I discovered that Trachtenberg had done like a lot of TV stuff. So he did a really cool Black Mirror episode. He directed the pilot episode of The Boys. I don't know if you guys have uh, checked that out on Prime, but mm-hmm. wow. Um, that's a hell of a way to start a TV show. Um, And he was part of the writing team for this as well. So essentially, this takes us all the way back hundreds of years to the Great Plains in 1719. And you have the Comanche. And what I believe they are saying is the first time that a predator has ever come to Earth. So you have Naru, who is our main protagonist. She is the star of the film. And she is looking for her katamiya which is she wants to go out there and be a hunter. And as you can imagine, in the 1719 era, women were more gatherers. They were more, you know, maybe healers or not quite out there with spears doing the hunting, but she wants to prove herself. She thinks that she is a great hunter 
and she stumbles upon the first predator to come to Earth and wants to take this thing on. So I thought that this was unbelievable. I, I saw all like the overhype and I was a little nervous that I waited like a week or so to watch it. Because, I mean, the reviews pouring in were just like, this movie's amazing, everything's incredible. Um, so I was a little bit trepidatious. Uh, I think it, it holds up to all the hype. I think it's a really good character movie. Uh, it really does a good job building some characters. Um, I think the Amber Mid-Thunder, who plays Naru, does an amazing job. Uh, I love the take on the Predator. We're always interested in what, you know, an earlier version or a later version of our beloved monsters could look like. And I think they did a really cool job with this Predator. A um, little bit slow burn getting going, but ultimately I was pretty pleased with the amount of gore that happened. Um, and I also kind of liked uh, like the, the various use of animals in this. So overall, I, I'll give this two thumbs up. I thought it was great. Kat, what did you think? Let's talk about a prequel that did it right. Um, <laughs> I was super into this one. I kind of like, you know, played it fast and loose with you guys. I was like, it was enjoyable. It was fine. But I, I was super into this one. Uh, um, <laughs> you got me because when you said that, I was like, enjoyable. That's like yeah. enjoyable. That's yeah, like a breakfast fine. sandwich was enjoyable. I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't sound too good, I thought. I was super happy to see these white colonizers become the prey for sure. I like that they, you know, made sure to to get to that point. And I just really liked, you know, all the main characters, the main protagonists, specifically my girl, Naru. I'd say she was a very comparable hero to my boy Arnold, for sure. If I were to attempt to fight the Predator, I would be dead in like less than a minute. So watching these people, you know, these fight scenes without the big artillery that uh, was necessary in the first, in the, you know, in the original Predator to take him down. It was just, I thought it made it a lot different and it made it a lot more interesting. Um, they didn't have machine guns. They had fucking knives and like prowess, basically. I like the backstory, you know, just setting it up. This, you know, girl wants to be a hunter and everyone's like, no, you got to gather things and yada, yada, yada. But I thought it made you feel connected to these characters a lot more than just like, you know, big governments out of the first one. It was just it was a different kind of like blockbuster action movie. But yeah, plenty of gore, plenty of fight scenes. I was just super into it. I love this movie. This is a great one. Yes, I uh, I was skeptical as well, Kevin. I'm I follow the the online horror industrial complex, and sometimes you, <laughs> you know sometimes you get stuff that it just seems like everybody is kind of mutually invested in hyping because it's good for everyone if we just all hype this. So I was a little skeptical seeing so much hype. Man, this this is I, I'm I think it's actually an amazing achievement to take. A long-suffering franchise, I mean, I can't say I've, I've seen, I, I haven't really cared about this franchise at all. So I haven't seen a lot of the ones um, in between the first one and this, but they don't have a great reputation. I definitely saw the second one. I don't really remember much from it. It was pretty disposable, as, as I recall. But then also the premise. I love the idea of this, of this idea that the Predator was here 
you know, hundreds of years ago. The Predator, we can go way back. The Predator didn't come to Earth uh, during the first movie. The Predator was here way before that. And I, I understand I read at least some of the inspiration for this idea coming from the character in the first movie. We didn't really talk about it. I don't think there's there's a Native American guide with the group in, in that first movie with the, um, the military unit. Um, and then also I know there was a comic book. There was like a, a Predator comic book that went back to to this age. So I'm not sure, you know, where who had the first idea, but I think it's a brilliant idea and it's done really, really well. I had no complaints about this movie at all. Being a, a you know, a period piece, obviously, and being not only that, but being one of uh, a, a completely different culture, I thought it had a very authentic feel to it. There was nothing that took me out of the time and the place and, and I read about some of the the consultations that they had on hand and how much effort went into making it feel authentic. No expert, obviously, but it felt authentic to me. This is whenever I'm watching something like this, I'm always kind of just, I can't help but be looking for things to take me out of it. Things that are not (laughs) quite right. You know, everybody has nice teeth in this. That's, you know, I'll, I'll, let that slide. That's what are you, what are you going to do? Um, but I had a great time with this. This is totally believe the hype on this one. Great, great movie. I'm glad I saw this. One of my favorite parts of this one was the fact that they established that the Predator is only looking for threats. That's something that I don't remember from previous installments in the franchise where, you know, when Naru is first out there, you know, hunting the predator, he doesn't view her, he or she or it doesn't view her as a threat. So there are a few instances in the movie where she just gets away scot-free because the predator is just like, eh, you're not a threat. Mm -hmm. And I love how it sort of like gradually builds up to the humans being the threat. Like he gets, you know, I think the the rattlesnake, I think is first really cool scene. I I will say Trent, like the nice teeth and a little bit questionable CGI. Oh, I didn't. Are the only two things yeah, that took yeah. me a little bit out of it for Absolutely. like a moment. Yeah, but it, it's passable. That's that's totally that's nitpicking. I love how it gradually builds up with the animals. You know, you get the wolf, such a cool scene. You get the bear, super rad scene. And then I love the angle, just really like drilling it home that all of these men in the tribe don't think that Naru is is worthy of being a hunter and they keep just telling her well, those are bear tracks or that's a lion uh, don't worry we got it like go pick some herbs um, I loved that kind of gradual build up to like no she's going to take this fucking thing on it was just a it was a cool twist I never thought about that like so Kat you saying that you would die really quickly <laughs> if the predator came after you just drop any anything that you have in your hands and just lay on the ground just poop my pants and he will stay away from me <laughs> yeah yeah classic you'll, you'll get like pr- predator vision of scent for the first time and it's like, <laughs> what is that although that, that could make you a threat I kind of got into some arguments with some people um, over the past week talking about this movie because they're like it was so boring like nothing happened what? for like an hour and i was oh, like oh come on what are you oh i'm sorry there wasn't blood and guts being thrown about with his heat vision for a little while so they could set up the story and oh, maybe man. make it worth watching the whole thing i i got a little heated at a dinner so i kind of had to remember <laughs> where i was i'm like this isn't the podcast i can't just yell um at this random man about this movie but yeah, I thought that was all, you know, pretty necessary for the story. And I was pretty, I was very interested the whole time. There was never a moment where I was like, 
mind wandering. Like I was invested pretty much right right out of the gate. I never want to see CGI ever. And that was one of the things I love about the next movie we're going to talk about is the way some of that was handled. But I, I don't like seeing CGI in movies at all. But if you're going to do CGI, I thought this movie did it very well. It wasn't like one of these, you know, some of these, some of the action movies now that rely so much on CGI, they're so, they almost sort of give themselves over to these effects departments who end up like directing the movie and, and stuff doesn't really look right. You're looking at a, you know, a multi-million dollar movie and you're like, this doesn't really look very good. I thought that at least the CGI looks good in this. And as far as like the threats only thing, the predator only goes after threats or sees threats. I don't know. I personally thought that was kind of a cheesy excuse to have scenes where Naru gets to just like sit there for a minute and <laughs> The Predator does. It kind of buys her a couple minutes of time in various scenes in the movie. That's fine, though. Whatever. That that didn't bother me. I go back to, like, when we talked about uh, The Dark and the Wicked. Do you guys remember that? Uh, we talked about that on the Patreon. Oh, that was, was it just the Patreon? Two of us. Yeah. It's a much different movie. Much more of a slow burn. But at the end, there is this scene where there's a very gory scene and it's all like CGI blood. And I was like, come on guys, like you spent no money on this movie. Like you could have had some real blood. I think sometimes that's what disappoints me a little bit about CGI, but also I believe this was filmed during the pandemic. So it's not like, you know, I mean, they were already probably creating this movie under, you know, not ideal circumstances. Um, so, but again, you know, I was just, uh, earlier here today, Lake Placid 2 was on and that is 100% CGI and like blood, CGI blood, like everything. And it got me thinking like, do you really need to nitpick, uh, pray for no. some of those things? No, because it's more of a character journey. It's more of a, what are you going to do with, with my beloved monster? And I thought that the predator in this looked so cool. I thought they did a great job sort of bringing us back, you know, hundreds of years as to what the technology would have been and what the Predator would have been wearing. Didn't have, like, the cool shoulder gun that we see in all the other iterations. Um, had the creepy mask thing that I thought was super rad. This this movie's totally, totally legit. Yeah, and, you know, the original Predator, which we just talked about, is really a pretty modest mashup when you watch it now. This movie is going for all the gold. This is a much more ambitious movie than the original Predator. So that's fine to me to use those tools for such an effective cause uh, as this movie turns out to be. Those are things that in a lot of movies would bother me, but in this movie is great. I thought it was uh, kind of wild that this originally was supposed to be a secret sequel. That This movie was developed under the fake title Skulls. And the idea was they were going to put this out. They weren't going to market this as a Predator sequel. It was supposed to be a big surprise that people would watch the movie. They maybe would pick up on the title or probably not. And then it would come out like, oh, this is the surprise, uh, you know, Predator reboot. That is when I would have legitimately pooped my pants yeah. upon watching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it got spoiled online and they had to, to give it up. Oh, but even to, even to just to try to do that... Is, Dude, that's like a Marvel movie cameo times like a exactly. thousand. Yeah, that would, yeah. I would just fucking lose my mind. They almost successfully did the same thing with Blair Witch when they had that most recent Blair Witch. 
it, there were trailers out there. It was being marketed. Um, and I think something leaked the last minute and they were like, okay, yes, this is a sequel to Blair Witch. That would have been pretty cool, especially in this day and age to pull something like that off. Be like a Beyonce album release. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That would have given this even more legend status. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see where they take it from here. I think they've revitalized the franchise. You know, you can find the, the other Predator movies streaming. Just about all of them. Maybe the Predator might still be a rental right now, but I was going back through the catalog and inspired me to do that. I'm sure plenty of other people are doing it. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, this leads us to, to some more worthy, you know, entries into the franchise. They are talking about, you know, sequels. I don't know if that would be a, you know, a sequel to Naru and her story or if this would be, you know, again, launch into the future, whatever. But it seems like this exists in in the Predator world and maybe not the Alien versus Predator because I think the first AVP was like a temple found in like Antarctica Oh yeah, way before like seventeen nineteen. So I, I think they've like retconned that relationship. But you know, maybe they could uh, spark something up. I think going a little first date again. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's over. I think this is trying to break away from everything that happened, like you said. But they did use the same effects team from Alien versus Predator on this movie, and there were also a lot of callbacks in this to the original Predator. So you know, there, there's a yeah. couple lines. I'm pretty sure Naru says the or somebody says, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Right. And then there's yes. another uh, yeah. her brother, Tabe. Yeah. Tabe says, OK, right, right. There's another line too. there's another line, I think, that Naru does. Uh, and there are a lot of little throwbacks. So I, I like that at, while it's trying to like be its own thing and, and trying to like open an, a, a new chapter, it still is, you know, it's using people who've worked on the other films who understand what the Predator is supposed to be, and it's calling back to the original. This is a Hulu exclusive, by the way. We talked about Shudder last week and all the the great Shudder originals and exclusives that are happening over there. This was the most watched Hulu premiere ever. I love that. That bodes well, I think, both for Hulu Mm -hmm. and for sequels. I think if you're going to be that successful with this, I, I bet we can see some sequels, and it also gives me some hope that if you look at Netflix, their most watched movies, their most watched originals have been Red Notice and The Gray Man, spend $300 million on something with a Gosling or a Reynolds or a Godot and like (laughs) throw that out there on your splash page, like really makes you sick. But then you see a success like (laughs) a success like Prey uh, on a service like Hulu, you think, yeah, man. And that bodes well for um, Hellraiser. Coming soon, uh, next uh, Hulu exclusive that just received an R rating. So we know that it seems to still be happening. We haven't heard much, but it's being rated. So I think we're going to see it. Just thinking back to, you know, talking back about the favorite lines in the film. So you don't find out right away that there are French colonizers, you know, near the tribe. You kind of find out later in the film. And once you do, you're like, okay, this is going to be a whole nother element. And it was a very interesting element, I think, to the story for sure. But, you know, now it's the predator thinks that the colonizers are the threat as opposed to, you know, the native tribe. Right. And so they're kind it's predator versus the whiteies. And then uh, my one of my favorite lines <laughs> the in the whiteys. film would be from, I think it was her brother that said it. He was like, whoever wins, we lose. Because he's like, we're not going to fucking beat the predator the white people are going to fuck us up. So that was just kind of like a disheartening moment of being like, oh man, yeah, 
it's gonna suck either way but then of course my girl comes through and fucking makes it all happen well we're introduced to guns you know like you said cat like they're using all these primitive weapons and you see like naru with her like axe on a string that she's using to like Mm -hmm. sling around like she's in like mortal Kombat or something so the predators instantly like oh what's that (laughs) and that was probably the only well i mean i guess there was some good decent humor in the movie there were some good moments with naru yeah uh tabe is her brother and he's clearly on his way to being like the the master hunter or whatever whatever they call it in the movie and their mom there's some good good humor moments there but when the the french colonizers show up uh that's when things get like depressingly funny because you're just like please Everybody fuck them up. Yeah. You know, Comanche, <laughs> fuck them up. Predator, fuck them up. <laughs> fuck each other up. And, and they're, they're particularly two scenes. Like, there's one scene. They're equally as vicious in terms of how the Predator treats each of our groups. There is a, a group kill scene for both of our, our, our main teams here. The group scene where he wipes out a majority of the French colonizers is legendary horror scene for me yeah i rewound that and watched that sequence so many times because it brought me just great joy did either of you guys watch the comanche dub version of this on hulu no no oh man that that's how i watched it i had seen some stuff online people were talking about this comanche dub version and it's a little confusing to find but if you the, the movie is in english but if you go to Hulu and you search Prey and you click on it and you go to the screen where you, you play the movie from and you got you got Prey up there, if you scroll down at that point, there is a Prey uh, Comanche dub version. It's labeled. And if you select that version and then you have to go and, and give it English subtitles, they went back and all the, um, the actors dubbed in uh, a Comanche language version of this. So to me, it's a really great way to watch it because it kind of heightened the whole authenticity. It's a little tough, and that's something that sometimes will take me out of something like this. So you can watch it like that. That's how I would recommend it. Uh, It does kind of make it just seem that much more realistic. But but they're still speaking English like on screen, right? So the dub, yeah, there's a process where they can make the lips kind of match up with that. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They do something so that it's not like it's not like watching an old kung fu movie where it's been dubbed into English and it's not even close. Well, I think it's uh, important to mention that the cast was all, you know, Native American actors. Right. I think it's sad that it's taken that long for something like this to happen, but yeah. you know, hopefully yeah. it is like a trailblazing effort. Yeah. I also like the fact that they had uh Jane Myers uh as a producer. Uh, she's credited right there. She is a member of both the Comanche and Blackfoot tribes, and she was on set every single day making sure that what they were doing was historically accurate. Hey, did you, Kevin, did you find a budget on this? I couldn't find a budget for this. I kept trying to find that, um, and I, I, I want to say it was everything that I could look up said that it was pretty low. I have a little, uh, a little trivia factoid for this one. That I, that I came up with on my own. You ready? Mm-hmm. This movie, the, the events of this movie, take place after the events of The Devils, which we talked about a few weeks ago. That was the 1600s. This is the 1700s. This would have been after that. Wow. Yeah, that wow. a fun fact. Seems like it would take place way before that. <laughs> While they well, were, the whiteies hadn't yeah. shown up yet. 
Yeah, well, after they burned Grenye, then this was going on later. They should have sent the Predator to the Catholics to take care of business. Yeah, the Predator could have been there. What if the right. Predator showed up? That could be a sequel if the Predator showed up in 16th century France <laughs> and oh. wrecked a Catholic church. I, I would fund that movie. Okay, keeping Hulu Week going, we have another fresh one. This is uh, also from 2022, although I believe it may have hit the circuits in 2021. This is a Finnish movie called Hatching. Hannah Bergholm, I believe this is her directorial feature film debut, written with Ilya Arautzi. And this is a coming-of-age tale about Tinya, a 13-year-old girl who has a very oppressive mother who wants her to be the best gymnast that has ever existed on the face of the planet. And the movie starts basically with a bird getting into the house. Tinya's mother, who is literally called Mother in the movie and the credits, kills this bird. Later on, Tinya is in the woods. She finds this bird somehow resurrected and near it an egg in a nest. She brings the egg back to her room to secretly care for it. And this egg grows, and as you can guess by the name hatching, it hatches something that uh, is a little less than desirable. The movie then takes us on a journey with Tinya, her mother, her father, Matthias, her brother, and some other characters to, again, bring us a coming-of-age horror movie. Hatching is something that has been out there on Hulu for a little bit now, and I just sort of like avoided it. I don't know why. I just wasn't in the mood to watch this. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. Um, Ultimately, what I got was a really, really strong performance from Siri Soliana, uh, who plays Tinya, an unbelievable directorial debut by Hannah Burkholm, and what was... Not necessarily a scary movie, but I think a very emotionally powerful movie and one that kept you on your toes about what exactly was going on. The other thing that I appreciate about this movie is the monster in the movie, if you want to call it a monster, that that does eventually come out of the egg. They don't fuck around in this movie. It's a monster. They don't really keep you guessing the entire time in terms of like, Is this real or is this all in her head? This could have been like a Jacob's Ladder situation or it could have been, you know, oh, this whole thing was a dream or she was hallucinating. They set you up early on that like what you're seeing is what everybody else is seeing as well. Um, I thought the acting performances were fantastic. I thought the fact that they used mostly animatronics and practical effects was yeah, awesome. huge. And we, we, can, we can get into the people that, that worked on those and some of the things that I have no idea how Bergholm in, in this small Finnish film got some of these people to work on it. But kudos to her. I probably can't totally relate to everything that this movie is getting at, having never been a teenage girl. Uh, however, raising one, I think, gives me a little <laughs> bit of perspective. Um, so... Like horror adjacent and more uh, reminding me a little bit of like uh, like killing of a sacred deer vibe or some of these like more dramatic films that we've seen. But I, I loved it. I love this movie. I was psyched to finally see this. This played at our local uh, indie theater. It did it did at least uh, 
a short theatrical run or a limited run in the States. And I, I thought it looked great just from the trailer. I had seen the trailer at the movies and just didn't get to it. It wasn't, it wasn't here for too long. So I didn't make it. And I had been waiting for it to leave VOD or to, because it is still VOD, you can rent it, but I've been waiting for the price to come down or for it to land somewhere. So I was psyched when you told me it landed on Hulu. I would describe this movie as perfect. This is a perfect little finished wow. horror movie. I think that it it wears a lot of influences on its sleeve. When we were talking about Alien with Predator, a couple alien scenes in this. I think um, the Brood, lots of body, lots of American body horror and American sci-fi fantasy horror. But I thought it took all of those influences and paid tribute to them. But I thought it made its own original little thing in its own universe, and I think it is perfectly done. Tina playing the double role. I'm not going to do the names, really. The names, this is over the over the rainbow for me on the names. Nice job, Kevin. The, the Finnish names, Mamma Mia. Have you, did you guys see, you know the title, did you see the title of this movie in Finnish? Have, oh, yeah. It's, you, have you seen the title? I didn't even, I, I saw, I didn't even bother to write it down. It's all like, like why would I go there when it's hatching? It's all yeah. A's and K's and H's. I what? There's like uh, umlauts. But, um, but the young, the young girl, Tina, plays a, a dual role just like uh, we we recently talked about with x really really impressive especially for somebody without much credit under their belt like you said this, these are all uh, a lot of new um people to be involved in in filmmaking i love the whole like euro trad influencer thing the mom is this if you've seen these people online these like trad influencers and they're in the states too but i think it uh, the, the european ones are particularly strange where they they live these like super traditional lives and they document them in every, online and everything is white and everyone is blonde and every color that is there is like vibrant and it's often connected to a lot of the the European far right national stuff you'll find a lot of crossover there between these sort of trad influencers so that's like what the mom's doing the whole time and it's really getting at some of the uh, the fakery and, and the jive of that whole thing I loved. The, the practical effects, the animatronics you mentioned, Kevin, everything about this just worked great for me. Uh, it's brisk. It's barely nigh like 87 minutes. Just, mm-hmm. I, I just thought it did everything right. Loved this movie. Somebody definitely has mommy issues um, when they they directed a little mommy change of pace for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this one was obviously pretty weird, uh, but I liked it. I preferred the first half, though, because of the absolutely awesome and terrifying bird person. Yeah. It was just yeah. like, it was like a Jim Henson character on crack. Yes. Yeah. Ah, it was like <laughs> so Great grotesque. It was so grotesque. And, but for me, it was the eyes. The eyes are mm. what, it was like I was watching fucking the labyrinth if the labyrinth was this movie. I don't know. It was crazy. Once we um, lost like the crooked limbs and like the beak, I was less into the figure. Like once it took that kind of humanoid uh, form. Uh, but then I got more into the storyline. So at first I was like, eh, you know, blog mom is like a sociopath, whatever. But then, you know, it started getting into like the nitty gritty of how manipulative and controlling um, she was. And I was just like, okay, it makes sense that this, you know, poor girl is projecting all of this stress and inadequacies, you know, from her mom into this little hatchling being. 
Um, so I was excited to see how that turned out. And I was pleasantly not disappointed. And I think it just goes to show that if you push your child, you know, too hard, they will turn into a monster and destroy you. So watch out, Kev. It's funny you talk about the pacing, Kat, because I think if you know how a typical horror movie like this would go, you're expecting a very slow burn. You're expecting the egg to maybe not hatch until the third act or maybe not even to like the last 15 minutes. But I love this movie. And thank you, Hannah Bergholm. She gets right to the point. It is like, yeah, yeah. Tina finds the egg. She wants to take care of it, and that fucker hatches, and you're in it. The roller coaster has is gone. And I, I really thought that that was uh, an interesting take um, in a movie like this. But to, to, to your other point, Kat, it was very necessary, I think, so that you could develop not just Tina and mother and father and Matthias and Taro, who is mom's boyfriend. We can get into that because that oh. is super fucked up. Uh, you needed to get there that fast so that you had a back half of the movie that, unlike other movies where they spend the first half getting you emotionally invested and then take you on a ride, they take you on a ride in this movie for the first half and then make you even more emotionally invested on the back half. That is something that it isn't always done or done well, and I, I really appreciate what Bergholm was able to do in this movie. That It's, it's a rare... It's a rare thing, I think, uh, for, from a cinematic uh, experience perspective. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it, it dragged at all at any point. It it, it is kind of front loaded, which I appreciate. Like you say, it really gets down to business with with the hatching. And then I, I don't know. I, I didn't think it, it slowed down. It, it does change a little bit. I did miss the uh, the bird, the animatronic bird monster. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> developments in this movie, when when it is still in the bird monster form. Um, you know how uh, mother birds feed their young, of course. There is a scene where the, the bird has gone and and brought a, it killed an animal and brought the animal back to uh, uh, Tina's bed, a beheaded animal, and puts it in her bed like, you know, like a cat will bring in a, a kill for you all proud. Mm. And so when Tina is presented with this gift, she leans over the side of her bed, pukes all over the floor, and it's a lot, a lot of vomit. And the, yeah, the, bird, cre- the bird creature then gets right down to eating uh. the vomit off the floor. This movie pulls no punches. There's a lot of gross stuff in this. And so then from that point forward, Tina feeds the bird by quickly stuffing her face with tons of food and then regurgitating it like into her bare hands and then feeding it and then later into a bowl. So uh, I, I love the, um, the, the accuracy. I wish we had more creepy bird time is, is my only uh, yeah. criticism, I yeah. would say. I want more creepy bird. Well, when you bring in people that worked on this like Gustav Hogan who did work on like Prometheus, Prometheus the new yeah. Jurassic Park the new Star yeah. Wars uh, makeup Conor O'Sullivan uh, like did the Joker Heath Ledger's the Joker from the Dark Knight Game of yeah, Thrones yeah. also Prometheus like when you introduce something like that inevitably you're going to be leaving the audience like clawing for more like yeah. i thought it that, that the the animatronic the the bird that ali was going to just like continue to grow in that form me too i had no point and and good on their marketing and again i didn't look into this a ton i maybe watched the trailer good on them to not really show ali in her later forms in any of the marketing um but like that you said of, Jack, yeah, like yeah. that 
that actress doing the dual role, holy! She, I mean, she's holding her own with me. Incredible, ex dude. Incredible. Like, good call. Like, yeah. And how? I mean, how old is she? I would guess that she's around the age that she's playing. Maybe yeah. like up to sixteen. I mean, yeah, at the most, I would think. Yeah, and and all you know, I really appreciate going that far. This is a four million dollar budget. It's insane. This is not a big budget. This is a very small budget movie to go that far with the effects. I mean, that's just. Ah, I love that. That's that's right up my alley. And may, and maybe that's why we didn't get more more beak time. True. Yeah. So yeah. About. That. Yeah. They, <laughs> that was half the budget was what we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that this was the first finished movie that we've seen, but all the movies we've seen have been done. You know, I don't think we've ever watched anything that was unfinished. Oh Just my kidding. god! But no, seriously. Uh, seriously, we we actually we we have seen the finished movie. In Dave's absence, Trent. Tries I know. I'm trying to, to hold. I'm trying to hold the pun yeah. game. <laughs> I'm trying to cover Dave as much as I can here. Uh, no, but seriously, um, we talked about Lake Bodum. That's a finished movie, mm. and that is a great one. That's still on Shutter, by the way. If you haven't seen Lake Bodum, uh, I would highly recommend that one. Should we just do the Bodum Bottom debate again? I I ha- believe me, I've already. <laughs> I I do it in my mind every time I say it. <laughs> it's not bottom. It's bottom. Um, one of the things that I thought was um, there's not a lot about this movie. I, either of these. Well, I I, I stand. There's right. more about there's Prey. There's a ton because, out there about yeah. Prey. There's yeah. ton. Yeah. It's a legacy franchise. There's not a lot about hatching. No. There are some really good interviews with uh, Hannah Burkholm and some good uh, podcasts where she has guested. But what I found most interesting is almost like every review that I read took a different angle. One review would say, okay, this is a metaphor for keeping women down. And it would be a whole article from that angle. And then there would be an article that's like, this is about puberty and a woman coming of age. And then there'd be an article that would say, this is about social media and the harm that it causes because of mother's blog. And then I found this one article that was an entire article uh, comparing this to the story of the ugly duckling. So it really is it's all it's sparking a lot of debate. But I never found an article that encompassed all of them. It was like somebody <laughs> honed in on something and was like, I want to talk about this aspect of it. Um, so I, don't, I mean, I'm not going to go into it now. Go find the actual Hannah Bergholm uh, where she does sort of like go around the carousel and take you on a ride. Um, but it is interesting, the media that's out there and how people like honed in on one specific aspect of a movie that really isn't yeah, rich yeah. in themes. Yes, that that's one of the things that I think is so perfect about it, that all of those things are happening. It's not just a simplistic one message. It, it's all of those elements are in there and they're all weaved together to, to such a complete whole. I just, I really, really admire how it does that. I thought that uh, Tina's mother was one of the, we talk about this a lot on the show, bad parenting. One of the oh. worst parents I've seen. <laughs> and even talk- more even more even more confusing is Taro, her boyfriend. So so make no so mistake, weird. mother and father are are married. So Tina, mother, father, and, and her little brother Matthias, who is obviously uh mom's not a fan of him. Yeah. Um, he is he's desperately seeking attention. He was well, right he the whole just time. like her sister. husband who she doesn't like. He he was right about everything the whole time. That poor little kid they keep telling like stop lying, go to bed. And he, yeah, he's but, the only but, person who is right about everything. But mother has a boyfriend too that she is openly flaunting to her teenage newly teenaged daughter yeah. and saying things like sometimes uh parents have special friends. 
Yeah. And it's just like, it's horrifying, like laying down with her and being like, I think I'm in love. Like, yeah. It was so like, weird. Mom, mom, you do that with like your friend or your sister or a confidant, not your 13 year old girl who is already like go starting to go through puberty and is very confused about like, you know, the relationships and how they work. Right. Uh, this woman is right. a monster. This woman is <laughs> straight up monster. Um, and then and then you also have uh, the fact that Tarot, the boyfriend, ends up being an awesome dude. I yeah, mean, other than yeah, the fact yeah. that he's like, you know, doing a little bit of home wrecking here on the side, he <laughs> ends up being a solid guy. He, he's the best adult character in the movie. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a widower. He has a baby that comes into <laughs> one of the more suspenseful scenes in the movie, baby Helmy. What'd you, Kat, what'd you think of Taro? Is he, is he stepdaddy of the week? Listen, he could be my stepdaddy anytime. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. She she was obviously a, a terrible mom. It was like, yeah, just that weird moment of like confiding in your child, being like, hee hee, right? And it's like, no. It's like when you, to a lesser extent, it's like, oh man, I had a really bad day today, like to your parent. They're like, yeah, let me tell you about my day. It was also terrible. I'm like, no, like that's not the relationship that I want at this moment. I just want you to be like my parent and not like my cohort. You know, it was just, yeah, that part was very icky. It was like, a I very love like it. Story line. 20 yards away from my wife and 13 year old daughter. I can't imagine coming home and jumping <laughs> on her bed and being like, I'm in love. I'm in love. <laughs> and her being like, yeah, with mom, you'd be like, no, someone else. We have special friends. It's, it's normal. Let's normalize it's this in your life right now. It was, I thought it was, yeah, it was, it's Trent. It, it was, it was very European. You know, just like, well, you know, Tina, sometimes adults have special friends and, uh, there was mine. And then she's like, let's just keep this between you and me. We wouldn't want to ruffle any feathers, so to speak on this. Tina gets it. She's hey. like, yeah, that's cool. I won't, I won't tell clueless dad in the other room that, you know, you got like, hey man, it's, it's all copacetic. He's a nice guy. He's uh, more, more attentive. A more attentive father than than the father in the movie, so takes all kinds of love makes a family, guys. And no, I, you know, fuck this family. I would not have been surprised if there was like a scene in the movie where dad walks in and mom and Tara are going at it, and dad just goes back to his little guitar room and starts playing guitar. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. He got a new guitar. He's playing in his, his guitar. He's in his man cave. He's fine. Well, that's a weird scene too. Is that her? You know. Her dad's like, oh, you guys are going to Taros? And she's like, and like the girl's like, what? Yeah. And he's like, he's cool. Like, it's it's so awkward. It's just like, I don't know, man. It's just a bummer situation there. The ending of this movie pulls no punches. That's another thing mm-hmm. that I love. The way that it wraps up, this does not give you, th- this is a brutal ending. No, uh, you know, not for the the faint of heart. I really, really liked where this movie left you just like, oh, man, really good. This is another one. um, I don't know if you guys noticed uh, where the sound design is is so it's it's just as well done as the effects and everything. Loved it. Loved it. Um, Especially like as Ali starts to take the form of the doppelganger, um, the the sound design and some of the effects in terms of like I don't know if those were contact lenses or what what was happening but it's very effective but what I what I also wanted to to point out is this movie is incredibly sparsely scored it yeah. is almost yeah. all sound design 
and just the actual like live audio. Not sure like what was ADR'd, but there is barely a score to this movie. And yeah, I, I appreciate I liked, that. I actually liked that a lot. I, I do too. I think a lot of times music can be a, a bit of a crutch in a movie where maybe you have a scene that wouldn't be quite as compelling as it needs to be. If you put some cool music behind it, oh, all of a sudden it seems more serious. So I, I liked that and I loved the the bird cause throughout this movie, always in the background. Caw, caw. These like bird noises, kind of ominous bird noises always going on through the whole thing. Loved it. I had uh, I had never seen either of these movies. Um, Hulu has, has not always been one of my go-tos for horror, but I would recommend both of these movies, and um, you know I would recommend Hulu. Maybe updates its uh, its AI and its app. Next week is Tubi Week. I'm going to be checking out a movie called The Necrophiles from 1997, and that's two words: necrophiles, like X Files. Also going to be checking out a movie called Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell that is listed as 1995, although it's a bit more complicated than that.